world of finance is changing, and wealth management and trading are certainly changing along with it. Decades ago, no matter how old you were, the way that you would manage your money would probably be to sit down in someone's office or meet someone somewhere for a coffee and meet a professional with a briefcase, and they'd let you know the mutual funds you should select, and you'd take your time and go about that manually. These days, robo advisors and the internet are drastically changing how people manage their money and sort of the business of wealth management itself. And artificial intelligence has an opportunity to kind of augment the way these processes work and possibly overhaul kind of the customer experience altogether. This week, we speak with Robert Galladay, who is the managing director of Cognitive Scale in Europe. Cognitive Scale is a rather developed AI startup in Austin, Texas. We've actually visited their headquarters in my, my previous AI in Austin. Austin piece, and Robert was with IBM for close to a decade working on digital process automation at a high level in Europe.、Um, we speak with Robert about exactly where AI is potentially augmenting the role of sort of the the wealth advisor, the financial advisor, and the entire process of how wealth is managed and customers are interacted with or marketed to or their service requests are handled, as well as how the world of trading might be influenced by artificial intelligence, not necessarily by Mastering some algorithm that will own the markets, but on changing the way people filter and receive information to make their trading more efficient, to make human time and human cognition used in a way that that might leverage it more effectively than trying to comb manually and find the insights themselves. Robert gives us a pretty high-level overview of some of these grand changes, and I think the interview itself will be kind of eye-opening for the folks. Who have a curiosity in wealth management? We've done a lot of focus on finance, but this is kind of one of our first deep dives, interview-wise, into this sector. And I hope that you guys will find that it's a fun one. So, a lot of transferable lessons for business leaders in other spaces, thinking about the future of customer experience. And for those of you in wealth and in investment,、uh, this is a must. So, tune in. This is Robert Galladay with Cognitive Scale. I am Dan Fagella with Emerge, and you're listening to AI in Industry. So, Bob, where I figured we'd start here is to just look at the possibility space of artificial intelligence in wealth management. I think wealth management has a lot of moving parts, one could say, and I can imagine artificial intelligence plays a role in the, in the trading bit.、Uh, might play a role for other functions and, and parts of that process. Where do you see AI making its way into wealth management if we just freeze time for today? Where is it today? Okay. Well, I guess first off, you have to step back and look at. Uh, what's disrupting this business today? There is over the next two decades, roughly thirty trillion dollars in financial and non-financial assets that will pass from baby boomers to their children globally, and with that, it puts a tremendous amount of pressure on existing wealth management companies, where historically, heirs have counted on their wealth advisors to take care of their wealth, but with Millennials and and digital savvy people, we've got to deal with them in a in a different fashion. And then the other pressure on these wealth management firms is coming from robo advisors and fintech. Yeah. So so you've got the likes of Transferwise out there that's that's biting at very profitable pieces of of a bank's business to go in and really take the easy pickings and the profitable stuff, and that puts additional pressure on these wealth managers. So. The notion that I can start to use things like augmented intelligence to make sense of market signals, to understand how a person wants to be communicated with and marketed to, frankly, and additionally to start to contextualize and personalize advice 
is is the way that these companies are going to use the winners, if you will, will leverage AI and augmented intelligence to to have a competitive advantage. Okay, we're talking from the from the advisor perspective, basically enhancing that experience and relationship. Uh, that's that's a big part of it. Yeah, but yeah, also, okay. so, so if you look at it from a, a millennial perspective, they don't always want to talk to someone. Yeah. So the notion the notion that I could have a companion app to my advisor, where I can you know, look at investment ideas or I can do research from a news standpoint becomes a, a very strong and compelling capability. And so these wealth advice firms need to be able to communicate in the way that people want to be communicated to. Yep. So uh, sort of the customer experience obviously has to evolve as that money changes hands. Correct. Yeah. And the wealth advisor should not be putting cookie cutter plans out to out to an individual. Yeah. The idea is that you need to personalize that. And the only way to do that with the amount of time that you have during a day is to is to get help. And we believe that an augmented intelligence type approach is the way to do that. I mean, think of it this way. Uh, I'm a wealth advisor. Uh, I'm making the commute into work and I get into the office and the notion that I could have, let's say, a companion app that could tap me on the shoulder and say, these three clients are at risk, and here's the reason for that. Or like in my case, I live in London, and we've got a lot of news around Brexit. Let's say all of the news from an FT and Bloomberg standpoint are, are pointing to uh, pressure on people that have pension accounts as it relates to the Brexit legislation. So the idea that I could give the advisor a tap on the shoulder and say, give a call to these three folks and have this type of discussion with them. So timing in terms of communication, uh, in addition to just the kind of communication. So you've brought up a few things here, Bob. It sounds like we've got the, the market signals side of things, which might tie more into trading. You've got personalizing the advice, not giving people a cookie cutter way of managing money. Uh, and you've also got kind of the, the personalized messaging and the timing of that messaging. And as you had said, that marketing. That's correct. Might we think about these as kind of the three, you know, three big areas of potential AI application in wealth management. You see potentially this, this, you know, augmented intelligence, as you framed it, playing a role in those across those three slots. Correct. Cool. So maybe we can hit them onesie twosie here, and then we'll close out by talking a bit about the future vision of maybe what wealth management will look like in the future. You guys are obviously keeping that in mind as you build your company, and I think the insights there will be helpful. But maybe we can just poke into this notion of the personalized messaging and the personalized marketing, being able to reach out to people, communicate with them in the right way. You know, maybe if you're 65, the natural thing is get a coffee with a, another, you know, fellow professional who has a briefcase and sits down and that's your, your wealth advisor experience. But, you know, as you mentioned, that may not maintain as the norm. And in fact, we're near certain it won't. Where does or where and how does AI play a role in determining how to communicate with someone, when to communicate with someone? Where would sort of AI fit the bill or, or play a part in augmenting that process? It's a great question. So I, I think first off, it's it's around knowing your clients. So if if I can have an AI that can first off understand historical relationships as well as what's driving an individual in terms of preferences and where they are with life events and uh, where they are with their life goals, then the notion is that I can build a profile of one on that investor or on that client. And it's a, it's a novel way to represent knowledge. So this, this idea of entity, attribute, and relationship. 
So first off, using machine learning to be able to build uh, that notion of a profile of one. And secondly, is be able to take market signals, as well as what I understand about that individual, and to, to do reasoning, if you will, to come up with a personalized insight or, or a piece of personalized advice. And then the final piece is this notion that the system can learn. So as it gets feedback or it, or it observes behavior or there's some type of declared preference, then the system takes that knowledge into account in the future with a set of insights. Let me, let me give you a, a quick example. Yeah, that'd be great. A tangible example would be awesome. Yep. Yep. So, so let's say I've got an, I've got a, a relationship with a wealth advisor and they understand that my risk profile is I'm fairly risk averse. When I invest in, in equities, I want exposure to, to banks and high tech, but only when those tech companies pay dividends. And to understand my kind of uh, family situation and that type of thing. But I'm reading in The Economist over the weekend, and I read an article on the fact that millennials want to live forever, and that there is a set of biotech companies that are allowing them to do that, or that have a focus to go do that. Yeah, yeah. And I call up at my advisor and I say, listen, I, I understand what you understand about me from a risk profile standpoint, but I was reading this article and I'd like to take $10,000 and have exposure to that. If the, the, the notion that I could have an AI that could then go and build me a, a personalized mutual fund, for instance, or, or think of it as an ETF that I then could present back to the back to my customer to go and do that. So it's an example of where I can go in and declare knowledge and then have the system respond to that and then learn over time and do something special. What a typical wealth advisor would do, do today is they might call up a JP Morgan for and purchase research, or they may take uh, information from a quant that was developed six or seven months ago and do something cookie cutter for the customer. And what might that cookie cutter be? Would it be, okay, well, what are the percentages that we want to take out of these seven other buckets you're invested in to total up to 10K yeah, to put into these so, funds? You know, like what, yeah, what would so that good, thing be? It's a great question. So it would be the firm has a mutual fund that's focused around biotech. It's their preferred mutual fund, and they provide that to everyone, as opposed to doing something truly custom and personal, personalized for the person. Okay, understood. And this all comes down to how am I going to differentiate the offerings from my company? Yeah, and it, it actually it seems like a very nuanced thing. The example you just brought up here of, you know, we're talking about kind of balancing a portfolio based on the preferences and risk profiles of a person. This is a, a curious a, a very curious example to to presume that maybe there's, you know, if there's enough instances of this kind of switching from risky to less risky or more risky to less risky, whatever the case may be, if there's enough instances of that we might be able to have AI somehow tailor it, it feels like quite a challenge to sort of present that, that augment or obviously AI maybe being able to do all of that would seem impossible. Where would it play a role? So the person maybe has access to some intelligence related tools. If we're thinking about the future here, when they get this call, right, they get the call from you and you say, well, I like these biotech firms. This cryonic stuff is really cool. How do I get 10 K of exposure? Where does AI fit the bill to do a better job than, you know, the person who obviously has limited time to help balance that portfolio out? Oh, okay. So I guess a couple of things here. One is, is if I can take the knowledge that's typically available to an institutional investor and make that available to an advisor or even directly to the consumer or the investor, then 
first off, I'm onto something. Uh, this this notion of being able to democratize knowledge and investment advice, and then and then have it personalized. So I, I get that you're saying that maybe my example is a little is a little out there, but you could you could tie this back to personalized um, assistance in terms of dealing with a life of it, or it. Okay. or having someone say to you. Listen, I'd I'd really like to have a second home in Mallorca in twenty years. <laughs> how how do we take how do we take my given situation and you do something personalized for me? But but fundamentally, I think what AI is going to do from a transformative standpoint is start to democratize investing in such a way that it's personalized. I mean, if you contrast this with, let's say, a robo advisor, a robo advisor in the end, while it will do something that's personalized for you, it'll bring it back to let's say a set of 10 mutual funds. And while it's not quite cookie cutter, it does it doesn't put me in a position where I'm leveraging the knowledge that's typically available to an institution. Yep. If that makes sense. Yeah, so you're saying that maybe that knowledge could be suggested or sent over and and some of that that research or, you know, deeper proprietary insight might be able to be tailored and presented to the investor in a way that maybe only would otherwise be accessible to the people in these big institutions. Is that am I nutshelling things somewhat right, or do you, you have any you, caveats? You on are that? you are you are nutshelling it. And, okay. and let me just hit on what I believe is is critical IP that you've got to go that you need to go execute on this thing, and it ties to the company that I represent, which is Cognitive Scale. So, five quick things, right? So one is that. This notion of being able to represent knowledge and relationship among among those pieces of knowledge, so a customer profile, a product profile, a, a market profile. Secondly, is the ability to reason across that knowledge so that you can deliver a contextual insight, and that insight could be delivered directly to a consumer or directly to a wealth advisor. Third is around learning and feedback. So the notion that I can, I can do inferencing based off of what I know about you. I can take declared knowledge and and transactional data to figure out what to do next and how to learn. Fourth area, which is very very important, especially given that I work in a regulated industry, is explainability. So if I'm giving you a piece of advice or I'm providing uh, an insight, how did I come up with that insight? Why am I showing it to you? And what is the uh, provenance of the of the data and and anything else that I'm showing you? It's it's critical in in the financial services industry that we need to be able to explain that. And then the the fifth area is around assets and 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 data, such that those can be combined into a uh, a specific solution. Yeah, that's a so kind of just a conceptual overview of maybe the factors you guys are bearing in mind as you're building out what you're building out. Yes. Yeah, I can imagine those would be important. And again, the, the way the rubber hits the road on those, I think, is you know that's the challenge here. But in, indeed, those seem like you know pivotal concerns in, in getting this problem uh, solved or, or kind of augmenting this space in the way that maybe you'd hope to. In in sort of bringing those to to what's happening, boots on the ground. You'd mentioned a little bit about this portfolio management augmentation process and how this might look, and I think that that was helpful. You mentioned even before that you had talked about kind of messaging, uh, whether it's how or when on the messaging. And I'm I'm kind of imagining what it would look like to train a system to help augment you know the the workflows of of an individual advisor on how that would go. You know, maybe there's a survey where someone fills out what their preferences for communication channel, 
maybe there's a past history of when people picked up the phone versus when they didn't. Um, what would be the the factors that would kind of add into a model uh, around you know how we're going to and when we're going to talk to a particular client that maybe we're advising? Uh, okay, so w- we have this notion of a kind of a, a self learning profile of one that's that's taking I think as you clearly articulated, declared, observed, and inferred characteristics based on the client's behavior. And behavior can be transactional data. So where I've spent money, where, when and where I've, I've made investments, the timing of those investments. I can use uh, correlations, for instance. So I may be able to discover that certain behaviors that are related to certain market events um, okay. let's say you're a, you're a self-directed investor and I find that there's a correlation between, I don't know, between the U.S. non-farm payroll report and the timing of your trades for uh, industrial sector stocks. These are, these are things that I then can take and from a probabilistic standpoint, build, build out that notion of a profile of one. So that then drives the, the types of insights that I give you in, in the way that I can personalize that. Got it. Okay, so you might even be able to let someone know, you know, if they're invested a lot in, I don't know, media and entertainment stocks, or they have a lot of money in Disney or something. If there are some events that that we've kind of seen historically correlate to movements there, we might be able to let a client know about those kind of things earlier on and be helpful and handy in a way that maybe they wouldn't be able to do just by Googling or looking at their normal dashboards. It, so, so now you're hitting on it, right? Because if I can, let's take your Disney example, and let's and let's create a just a fictitious scenario. There. Totally, so let's yeah, say that. Good. So let's say that yesterday at close of business, Disney closed at below its twentieth percentile relative to its historical trading history, and the machine is able one to recognize that, and then secondly knows that you have a preference for Disney, and then it back tests the event. So I can go back and find in history, well, that's happened three times in the past. And had you acted within seven days of the triggering of that insight and then held the stock for 180 days, your median return would be 27%. I give you all the backtesting results as well as explain to you, I'm surfacing this insight to you because you currently hold NBC Universal Parks. You've held Disney in the past. And we think this is a, a relevant insight for you. At the end of it, any any given day across all the developed markets, there's 700,000 things you could go invest in from that's, ETFs yeah, to mutual the, funds to equities to oh, options. Crazy, right? crazy, crazy. So, so the idea that a machine can start to make sense of all that data, right, and then contextualize that down to a couple of things that you, you would be interested in extremely high value. Yep. And and it sounds like a really, I mean, to be frank, it sounds like a little bit of a future vision here. I would be, you know, I would have my my mind absolutely blown away if, if, you know, there was some simple way to send out that degree of tailoredness, you know, in the present moment at the time of this recording. But it sounds like a vision that's more than worth striving for and potentially the kind of value proposition that would make an advisor significantly more, more valuable if we could get there. Well, I guess what I would say to you is that it's, it's, it's more than just vision. We, we are working with an organization uh, today in the UK that is powering that type of electronic insights that's based off of, based off of a true AI platform. So the, the future is here now. Now, we have to obviously work within the guardrails from a regulatory compliance standpoint oh, yeah, yeah. and from a, uh, from a um, you know, 
being based in London, I deal with the FCA or the Financial Conduct Authority in the UK. We've got a method from the standpoint of whatever products I'm pricing, I have to be very, very visible and and break down the way that those products are priced into the market and then and then work within EU regulations as it relates to these types of solutions into the market. Yeah. But with that said, it's it's something that's that's real and approachable today. And in the future, I would love to be able to give you a demonstration of it. Yeah, yeah, that'd be really cool. So it sounds like the gears are the gears are moving. Obviously, there's a there's a vision ahead of where we want to get, but it's not like it's only a whiteboard thing here. We've we've got some, you know, some some parts kind of on their way, and and obviously, you know, it's a complicated task you mentioned with regulation, but but there's sort of movement uh, in that particular space. The two other things I wanted to touch on, Bob, before we wrap up, one of them was was on on the messaging side, and then. Lastly, I'd like to talk just really briefly on any other insights in trading. When you mentioned messaging, you know, the appropriate medium to hit hit people and the appropriate timing, would this potentially not only be for, hey, here's a trade you might want to make, or hey, here's some information that would be relevant for you, which obviously is valuable. We just talked about that. Would it also be for, you know, hey, when should we sit down again? Or hey, when might you want to transfer your funds here? You know, for, for advisors, they obviously, you know, to some degree, they've, they've got to sell things, um, and and they're they're interested in you know hopefully serving their clients better, but also certainly feeding their families. And I imagine some of the prompts, some of the messaging, some of the the, the follow up and customer relationship might be kind of on the sales and marketing side, which is a little bit different than hey, here's here's some additional kind of trading insight, which of course is is valuable. When it comes to that kind of marketing and sales side from the the business side of the the advisor. Would AI simply be looking at, you know, again, you mentioned the three types, you know, the inferred, the declared, et cetera. Would we be looking at those kind of bits of data from past communication to get a sense of when we could reach someone by phone, to get a sense of when we want to touch base with them or what time of the year they might be most open to purchasing some additional products? Where might that fit in on the sales and marketing side too? Because I can really see that being powerful for advisors. Okay. So, so really valid point. I think you made a lot of the business case there in the in, in the question. The So let's say that I'm a wealth advice firm and I also have an asset management division. So I'm actually creating products, mutual funds, let's say. And we create a brand new organic mutual fund. And then, so this, this, this organic mutual fund has carbon neutral companies. It's no buyer, no Monsanto, very green, if you will. And so the, the product itself has uh, a set of attributes. And then I have my client base. Now, uh, let's say I've got dozens, if not thousands, or across the firm, hundreds of thousands of clients. Who should I market that product to? And what language should I use to that, with them? And what channel should I use? Yeah. So the, the, the notion that the, the AI can, first off, it understands the product and its attributes. It understands your clients and says, Go market to Mr. and Mrs. Smith, our new green product, because their lifestyle indicates a label called organic. Um, they have a certain amount of investable income. We've got other funds that are not performing as well. So offer this to them at this time of day through this channel and uh, the effectiveness will probably be pretty high. And also use things like to give the, the wealth advisor confidence that there are other people in their client base that have, that have bought this product or shown interest in this product in the past. 
Cool. So we might be able to coax out those patterns that would be really tough to pluck out onesie twosie, but you might be able to ask a machine, hey, this kind of fund, you know, who do we already have in this bucket that has historically invested in those kind of things? And what's the best way to reach those people? Because we just came out with a new product that might be a, a better way to launch it than to kind of, you know, onesie twosie call the people that top of mind you think would be interested. It'd be much better to maybe look at those past precedents and find the historical mediums to reach them best and be able to have a machine maybe pull that out. That's correct. And and think about it this way as well. I could once you've got the product in your in your client base effectively represented, I can then query it. So I could I could say, who should I market this product to and with what language? So it becomes a very, very, very powerful concept. Cool. I think the other thing I would add here is that it's it's the combination of a variety of techniques. This is not just saying I'm going, to, I'm going to take a data scientist and apply a set of machine learning algorithms against the customer base. It's a, it's a true cognitive process where I'm using a variety of techniques to affect a specific business outcome. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I would be extremely surprised if you could just take an out-of-school, I-know-data-science person and uh, have them solve something with this much contextual, relevant you know, knowledge about regulation and about how these things get done and how the sales process works. I imagine there's There'd be a lot of, you know, pieces, parts, components to getting that done right. Uh, but yes. obviously, the, the vision is pretty compelling uh, to be able to make that kind of sales experience be enhanced. In fact, I, I think that, you know, the, the customer-facing side of financial services is a pretty pretty cool space to see kind of innovate in the years ahead. And I'm going to be pretty excited to see how these things turn out. The last little piece that we'll touch on here, Bob, just for the completeness of the, the articles I know we'll be writing on this, is on the side of trading. And I think that you know, this is a bit of the focus of where you folks are. Obviously, there's overlap here when it comes to wealth management. In terms of, you know, the processes that traders leverage and the kinds of tools and insights that they need, um, if you talk about sort of the low-hanging fruit for AI or areas of opportunity that for you are, are pretty compelling uh, for changing the way trading is done, is there a way to summarize those and kind of paint a picture of where you see that headed and maybe what you folks are working on? Yeah, sure. And and I guess I would first off say that in the world of, of trading, from a day trading standpoint, there's plenty of tools and analytics out there, and that's not our that's not our purview. But when it comes to investing, and for the self-directed investor, I think there's a tremendous uh, opportunity in applying augmented intelligence in terms of finding potential investment opportunities that are well suited. Because right now, if you've got if you're on a self-directed platform, customers feel like you know they're too much on their own to sift through mountains of data. Uh, existing platforms are not engaging. There's no real personalization, and they're disadvantaged versus institutions. So, if we can, if we can look at it from the standpoint of the AI can start to democratize some of that institutional, the the purview of an institution, and provide that type of investment advice and clarity around investment opportunities, and do it in a personalized way, then we start to level the playing field. And this is the feel-good part of the story, right? Which is, you know, there's since the financial crisis, there's, you know, we've seen individual investors leave the market. They feel like they're being gamed, and so this idea that I can start to level the playing field and 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 do good in terms of these types of solutions, it's it's um, you know, it's it's something that we're pretty passionate about. Cool. So yeah, you mentioned the term democratizing, kind of. Again, sort of the theme of taking what might currently be accessible to these larger funds or people with those resources and making that 
accessible to you know folks that are trading on their own or managing their own assets in some way. That's that's correct. And and this this idea that even though it might be a machine that is pretty smart and doing self learning, it's on my side, and it's and it's helping me to you know advance the calls. Yeah, and I think if it, if it was on the side of you know, a JP Morgan or, or someone else, maybe you would be a little bit more skeptical of it as opposed to if it's something you're able to, to marshal and use and that's, you know, intended to quote unquote serve you in some way. So I can see how that would, would shift. So cool. Excellent. Well, Bob, we, we got to check off the major boxes here. I did want to make sure we could fit in a tidbit of insight on the trading side. And I'm glad we did. That's all we got for time. And I'm glad to have you here. Thanks for uh, the time today. That's all for this episode on the AI and Industry Podcast, where we explore the applications and implications of AI in your business or industry. And when it comes to those benefits of real insight in terms of artificial intelligence applications in business, this show is really just the tip of the iceberg. AI and Industry is produced by Tech Emergence, and over at techemergence.com, you can find actionable industry-specific coverage, including case studies, unique market research with charts and graphs, and regular coverage of the AI applications of both the hottest startups here in the Bay Area, as well as what Fortune 500 companies are doing with AI today. Everything from marketing and advertising, business intelligence, to specific industries like finance and healthcare, you can stay ahead of the curve and stay on the right side of disruption by visiting techemergence.com. And when you're there, make sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter on the left-hand side of the page. Uh, Most of our podcast listeners get the episodes directly to their inbox every week. You'll be joining tens of thousands of other business leaders who join us from all over the world to stay ahead of the curve of AI in their specific industry. So that's techemergence.com. I'm Dan Fagella. This is AI and Industry, and we'll catch you next week.